week before last, in chapter 17, we witnessed the fall of religious Babylon, the one world religious system, because that will give way to, and he talked about it in the video, where the Satanists say, no more Christianity, no more Islam, no more anything but Satan. And so the first half of the tribulation, there will be this amalgamation of all the world's false belief systems rolled into one. There will be a second beast, the false prophet, who will be the titular head of the one world church. But halfway through, that will give way to Satanism. Again, as he presented in the video, they're working their way up. Everything is leading to that. So we saw the fall of religious Babylon in chapter 17. This week, we will witness the fall of commercial Babylon, the one world monetary system, which is upon us even now. Every day, it gets closer and closer. We talked about the uh, Joe Biden and the federal government trying to pass a law where the IRS will monitor every transaction that you make of $600 and over. There are those fighting against it, but that's the effort. We know more and more are moving every day towards a cashless society. And uh, the debit cards, the bank cards, that's uh, the first step. In uh, China, they, they almost exclusively now use their phones. Everything, all transactions are done with a cell phone. And you've seen the QR codes and all those things. Uh, how many of you have been to a restaurant where they have the little QR code on the table and you just scan it with your phone and then it brings up the menu for the restaurant? No more hard copy menus, so just the QR code. Every day we're moving more and more towards this cashless society, digital society, facial recognition and so forth. Apple is working on a system that will enable your cell phone to monitor your mental and emotional condition. Have you heard about that? So, you know, right now, if you have an Apple, I don't know about Android, but um, if you fall or even bump something, it'll, a thing will flash up on your screen saying, oh my, you just had a big fall, should we call 911? Have you seen that? My phone's done that. I, one time I did fall. I was, I forget what I was doing, but I stepped backward into my dog's dog dish and tripped and fell onto the patio. I didn't hurt myself, praise God. The angels are always there. <laughs> but uh, the phone picked up on the, or my watch, my Apple watch. Oh my, you just fell. Are you okay? Do we need to call 911? <laughs> Woo! See, what I would like to do is take every electronic piece of equipment that I have and smash it. But then I would have to move somewhere out in the boonies away from everybody and everything. In fact, I was going to ask you guys after the video, how many of you want to go out somewhere far away and start a Christian commune? <laughs> uh, it's quite tempting at this point, is it not? Get the heck out of Dodge. All right. Revelation 18, 1 through 8. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. 
For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues, for her sins have reached to heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would guide and direct us through this time in your word, that we'd be able to cover just as much as you'd want us to today, Father. And we just ask you to speak to us once again by your Holy Spirit through your holy word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So after this, this would be after the events of chapter 17. Remember, religious Babylon will fall halfway through the tribulation, but commercial political Babylon will fall at the end of the tribulation. So then another angel, not the angel of chapter 17, who was one of the seven angels with the seven golden bowls of wrath. This is yet another angel. God's got lots of angels, plenty to go around. And having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. So he's apparently one of the higher-ranking angelic beings, perhaps Michael the archangel, Gabriel, someone like that. We know that these two destructions are separate, religious and commercial Babylon, because the differences between the two are enumerated for us in chapter 18 here, 17 and 18. So beginning with the very first verse here, after this, so it tells us it's a separate series of events from what we witnessed in chapter 17. And then we have another angel, a different angel proclaiming this destruction than the one who proclaimed the destruction in chapter 17. Thirdly, we have different names. In chapter 17, verse 1, Babylon, the religious Babylon, is referred to as the great prostitute. And in the Old Testament, the, the most grievous sin committed by the people of Israel was that of spiritual adultery. God referred to their spiritual unfaithfulness as adultery. So here we have this connection in chapter 17, religious Babylon, the great prostitute. And then here in chapter 18, verse 2, it's Babylon the Great. So two different distinctions. It's all part of the same satanic system, but we have the religious Babylon, which has already fallen, and now we have commercial Babylon. The great prostitute in chapter 17 will be destroyed by the kings of the earth. Chapter 17, verse 6. Babylon the Great will be destroyed by the judgments of God here in chapter 18. So the kings of the earth will take down this one world religion in favor of a satanic global dominance under the Antichrist. And then God himself will judge commercial Babylon here in chapter 18. Now another distinction. In chapter 17, the kings rejoice over the destruction of the prostitute. Here in chapter 18, the kings and merchants mourn over the destruction of Babylon the Great. They rejoice over the destruction of the one world religion, the precursor of full-blown Satanism. 
but they mourn over the destruction of commercial Babylon. And if you noticed, it was just briefly woven into this gentleman's presentation that we watched, but he mentioned the globalist plan to divide the planet into sectors, like I've been telling you, okay? Everything I've been telling you was confirmed in that video. The last thing, distinction between the two Babylons, if both destructions were to take place at the end of the tribulation, there would be no opportunity for the Antichrist and the false prophet to replace the one world ecumenical cult with the worship of the beast. So religious Babylon has to go down earlier on in order for that full-blown worship of the beast to come forth. Because somehow the one world religion which will exist during the first half of the tribulation will try to appease everyone, incorporate everyone's individual beliefs, Islam and so forth, Catholicism, what have you. But all of that will give way to the worship of the beast. Verse 2. He cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. So the repetition of the word fallen might speak of the dual judgment of the two chapters. Religious Babylon, commercial Babylon. As well as the statement that we're going to see here in verse 6 that she would receive double for her sins. And this will happen just as God said in chapter 14. Back in 14 we read this. It, in 14, it was a prediction of future events. Here, it's now coming to pass at the end of the tribulation. Revelation 14, 8, another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, the great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So, in chapter 14, it's basically a prediction. Now, here in chapter 17 and 18, it's coming to pass. Babylon the great is fallen, fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit. So basically, I think we already know this, but the world will become one gigantic wasteland, a global graveyard, if you will. And by the way, a favorite habitation that we see in the scriptures for demons, the dry, arid places. Jesus said when the demons cast out of a man, he goes out into the dry, arid places roaming around. And then he'll come back to see if, that, if there's still access, the man's house, his, his inner temple, his spirit, his soul has been cleansed, the demon will return to see if he still has access or not. But he goes out into the dry, arid places. Remember when Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness, it was there that Satan came and tempted him and tested him. A favorite habitation of demons, the dry, arid places, the graveyards, the... Um, hollow human soul. Imagine an entire world of human beings devoid of the Spirit of God. That's what it will be. And a cage for every unclean and hated bird, vultures, ravens, those that eat the carcasses of the dead. Luke 17, 37, Revelation 19, 18, Matthew 24, 27, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, this is the second coming, by the way, because it will be obvious to everyone the rapture is a secretive coming where Christ comes for his church. We're caught up to meet him in the air. The second coming is where he comes with his church to establish his dominion here on the earth. So this is the second coming, not the rapture. 
The lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles, or vultures, will be gathered together. Verse 3 of Revelation 18. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Now one translation says, for all the nations have drunk of the maddening wine of her adulteries. Another confirmation that the entire world will be caught up in materialism, greed, and absolute self-rule. Again, what was the video about the Satanist goal? Self-rule. Not ruled by God, but ruled by their own evil desires, their own desires of their flesh, and ultimately by Lucifer himself. Absolute self-rule apart from the leadership of God. 2 Timothy 3.3 says, Just know this, Paul writing to Timothy, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. That's verse 4. So the worship of the beast, actually Satan, will be the ultimate expression of secular humanism, the worship of man as God. Verse 4, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive her plagues. So based on the message, this voice, this new voice, would be God himself. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. God always has and always will have a faithful remnant in the world, even during the tribulation. And he wants them to come out for two reasons. One, lest you share in her sins. So this is a warning that even the people of God can become tainted by association with the one world political and economic system. Proverbs 6.27, Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? And again, as was covered in the message, the warning that even the Christian world in many cases has capitulated to the satanic onslaught in the world of entertainment and fashion and you name it, on and on it goes. 1 Corinthians 10, 21, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. And just as we've seen here, Babylon will become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit. Even if we don't actively participate in the sins of others by accepting or even endorsing their practices, it's just as if we've committed the sin ourselves. 1 Timothy 5.22, Paul warns Timothy, do not lay hands on anyone hastily or share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Yes, we can become guilty by association. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. There comes a point in our lives when we decide that we want to follow Christ, we want to repent, we want to turn from evil ways, that sometimes we have to separate ourselves from people and situations that have a negative impact on us. And that will certainly be the case Tremendous challenge for those who 
try to follow Christ during the tribulation. So we see, lest you share in her sins, and then we see, lest you receive of her plagues. So the result of embracing the practices of the satanic world system is judgment along with the world. 1 Corinthians 11.31, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. And he even talked about that chastening in his video, that how by yielding ourselves over to these things and becoming victims of them, that in itself becomes a chastening from the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. I find it very interesting. Let me read this verse first, 2 Corinthians 6:17. Therefore, come out from among them, those in the world, and be separate. Now, the Bible never teaches that we should shun people in the world. We should show them the love of Christ. But to get into close friendships, intimate relationships with people who are not believers, more often than not, Rather than us bringing them to our side, they bring us to their side. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Come out. I find it interesting that the gay community, the LGBTQ community, has adopted the term coming out. Have you noticed that? When come out has always been God's call to his people to come out. Salvation means separation from the world unto the Lord. We also know they've co-opted the rainbow, Noah's rainbow, the Noahic covenant. They've co-opted that as well. That's how the enemy works. And another thing the gentleman pointed out in the video, which I've been telling you guys for a long time, Satan hides in plain sight. He puts it right out there. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. The good news, God promises to spare his faithful ones from the plague to be poured out on Babylon. That's why I said this video, it shouldn't strike fear into our hearts because we know who wins. Just like he said in the video, in the end, Jesus Christ wins. But I want you to notice this promise because again, folks, if you agree with me from what I believe to be the case that the Bible teaches the Christians will be removed from this planet before the tribulation begins, you have to understand something. Within the realm of Christianity, we are in the minority. Two-thirds of self-identifying believers don't believe in the rapture of the church. So we are in the minority. But listen to this promise from Revelation chapter 3. Because you have kept my command to persevere, to endure, to stand firm, to hang in there, to not back away, to not back down, to not back off, to not depart from the whole counsel of God, the truth of God's word. Don't become a namby-pamby, wishy-washy, seeker-friendly Christian. Because you've kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial 
which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. This is a promise to faithful believers that they will not be here for the tribulation. I don't know how it could be any more plain or obvious. And by the way, as I've told you so often, God's purposes for the tribulation don't involve the church. The church is not found anywhere after chapter 3 until we come back with Jesus. But notice, okay, so God's purpose is to judge a wicked, unbelieving world. It's also to restore Israel and to right relationship with him, to bring them to, finally, to a belief and an understanding and a recognition of Jesus Christ as their Messiah. But notice another thing it says here, to test those who dwell on the earth. Folks, another reason why we won't be here, we've already been tested. That's what this life is all about. When you commit your life to Christ, do all the problems go away? Do all the trials go away? This is our testing here and now. The tribulation is for testing the rest of the world. Verse 5, for her sins have reached to heaven. You ever heard that expression? Boy, that stinks to high heaven. Her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. From the dawning of time, man has tried to create his own heaven, hasn't he? With himself as the center of the universe. Genesis 11:4. they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower of Babel, whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And so that was the beginning of the Tower of Babel, which failed. God dispersed them. He wasn't going to allow that. But this is the spirit of Babylon, masterminded by Satan himself, and as even now, as very explicitly shown in the video, re-emerging in the last days. It's interesting, Satan, you know, he's, he's never stopped doing his stuff, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But see, what's been happening, folks, for the last several thousand years is the devil doing bad stuff wherever he can, however he can, whenever he can, but waiting for man's technology to catch up with his plan. Do you see that? You see, none of this stuff could not be fully realized until this time that we're now living in, right? The devil was ready to go a long time ago. But he was waiting for humanity to catch up. And guess what? Humanity has caught up. When you look at the scope of things over the last 100, 150 years, I've talked about this before, before the 20th century, man could not even travel faster than 20 miles per hour, either by land or by sea. Do you realize that? And now, 20,000 miles per hour in a space shuttle. Daniel predicted it, Daniel chapter 12, in the last days when men would travel to and fro about the earth and knowledge would increase. We're in the time. We're here. We have finally caught up so that Satan can now fully implement his plan. But the good news is God's plan overrides his plan. Amen. Amen. 
and God has remembered her iniquities. You see, in his self-deception, man thinks he can actually sin without paying the price. That's what all these deluded Satanists and Luciferians think. They can do whatever they want without paying the price, that they're actually going to be in control, they're going to call the shots, they're going to run the show. But ultimately, God's in charge. Proverbs 11:21. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. Proverbs 16:5. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, globalism, one world government, they're joining forces right now. They've already joined. None will go unpunished. None will go unpunished. The only sin that God forgets is the sin washed in the blood of the Lamb. Do you know that? If you want your sins to be forgotten, then you need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Isaiah 43:25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Isn't that wonderful? Now the devil comes along and he likes to try and remind us of our sins. And that's why I've told you guys so many times, no, you don't need to learn to forgive yourself. It's not going to do you any good. What will do you good is to absolutely apprehend, comprehend, understand, and receive the full forgiveness of God. Because when you really know in your heart and your mind and you believe that God has actually forgot, you see, only God has the ability to do that. We will never forget our sins. The sting can be taken out of them because we know we're forgiven in Christ. But I can still remember sins from my past. I don't know about you. Only God has the ability to actually forget them because he's God. He can do all things. If he chooses to forget your sins, guess what? They're forgotten. So when the devil comes to you and tries to remind you about all your horrible sins, just, you know what? God doesn't even remember them, so get thee behind me. See, that's hard for us to comprehend. How could God possibly forget them? But he's God. He can do all things. Verse 6. To render to her, Babylon, commercial Babylon, as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works, in the cup which she has mixed, Mix double for her. Repay her double. Mix double. Babylon will pay a double penalty for her adulteries and fornications. By the way, is this where the term pour me a double comes from? Maybe. Maybe. You know, Jerusalem received double punishment for their sins, Isaiah 40, verse 2. However, again, the difference when God's dealing with his people Isaiah 61, 7, Zechariah 9, 12 says that she, Israel, will receive double joy for her past suffering. So she has received double punishment. We've seen how they were dispersed for 2,000 years, spread all over the world, no country. But now we've seen the miraculous recovery, resurrection of the nation of Israel. And she is poised now to receive that double joy as we are all united Jew and Gentile into the eternal kingdom of God the millennial kingdom of Christ here on earth Zechariah 9:12 return to the stronghold 
you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. We have to be careful. I, I did a teaching up in Omaha out of Romans chapter 8 from victim to victor. As Christians, we should never find ourselves in the place of feeling like believing that we are victims. Satan is the one who victimizes people. God is the one who sets us free. But sometimes we feel like, man, we're getting the, the short end of the stick, the raw deal, what's happening here. In the Malachi, you find the people grumbling and moaning and groaning. The bad people are getting all the blessings, and we're not. And God chastises them for it and says at the end of the day, you know, my people will be the ones who are blessed, and you will see the blessings of the Lord. I will restore double to you. Anything you've had to go through in this life, any unfair treatment, unjust treatment, trials, tribulations, the blessings that you're going to receive in eternity will far outweigh them and eclipse them. Mark 10, 29 through 30. Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, and many have done that, to follow God moved away from family to be a missionary or to do some other type of ministry work, just answer God's calling for their life, given up things for my sake and the gospels. That's the big caveat here. Who shall not receive, listen to this, not just double, folks, a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. As believers, we have to learn to take the bad with the good, and in the age to come, eternal life, the greatest reward of all. Now, how is it, though, that those who give up these things receive a hundredfold back, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands? Because when you're part of the body of Christ, it should be like this anyway. We have all things in common. My parents died when I was young, but I've had many mothers and fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers over the years in the church and honestly, even closer than biological family. When you turn away from those things which hinder you in your following of Christ, God replaces it a hundredfold. Verse 7. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow, for she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. So those who seek after fame and fortune in this life will have their reward in the here and now. Then pay it back for all eternity. You know where. Those who are willing to forego these things in the here and now will have, receive eternal blessings in the age to come. Verse 8, Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. One day, so apparently... The world economic system under the Antichrist will fall in a single day. A global economic collapse resulting in death, death and mourning and famine, death, suicide, like the crash in the early 20th century. Have you read about that, heard about that? People jumping out of skyscrapers, their entire fortunes wiped out in a day. Hospitals closed, think about that. 
total economic collapse, no health care, no utilities, no heat, no light, no cooling, etc. I mean, there's already nervousness about these things even as we speak, folks. And we're just at the very edge. This world is standing at the precipice. It hasn't yet gone over the cliff, but it will very soon. Mourning. Everything that people have put their trust and their hope in will be gone. Again, we're already seeing the foreshadowings of these things. Many businesses gone forever. People losing their livelihoods, their jobs during this pandemic or as Jen Psaki. How many of you know who Jen Psaki is? She's the president's uh, press secretary. She actually said plandemic one day. Did you see that? Yeah. Oops. Was it a Freudian slip? Oops. Plandemic. Death, mourning, famine. Again, total collapse. No money, no trade, no commerce, no food. How many of you have been to the local supermarket or you know, big box store and notice the shelves half empty. Oh, by the way, Costco is again rationing paper towels, toilet paper, and what was the other thing there? What was it? Water. Water. Yeah. Yeah. Gee, I remember the good old days when you just turned on your tap and got a glass of water. We didn't have these plastic bottles with fake water in them. I have a te I have a test. I hate to burst your bubble. I have a tester at home, okay? <laughs> and I've tested some of the bottled water. It's got just as many particulates as the tap water. It's fake. And you paid money for it. If you get a zero water pitcher, now those things really work. But you use the tester from the zero water pitcher and you test your tap water and you test your bottle of water and you find out what you're really getting. Okay. Yep, I remember the days. Well, I'm not going to go back there. Okay, I could. Okay, famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. This is God's scorched earth policy. Genesis 9.15, God makes this promise to Noah. I will remember my covenant, you know, with the rainbow and all, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. Because all of creation was impacted by Noah's flood, was it not? The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh, God's promise. But then, he didn't say anything to Noah about fire, did he? 2 Peter 3, 10 through 12, through 13 actually. The day of the Lord will come as the thief in the night. And again, what's happening here as we read this, understand, again, as we often see in prophetic passages of Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, things get compacted. So what Peter's about to give us is a whole scenario all the way up through the millennium into eternity. Just understand that, okay? The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. So that's phase one, the rapture. In which, but then he jumps way ahead. The heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. This actually happens at the end of the millennium. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, and then God creates a new heaven and a new earth. We'll get to that at the end of Revelation. 
What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? You might ask yourself, how do we speed its coming? By living for him. Looking for and hastening or speeding the coming of the day of God. Verse 13, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So, rapture of the church, tribulation, second coming of Christ, we come with Jesus. He establishes his 1,000-year millennial kingdom here on the earth, and that's the point at which this present heavens and earth are destroyed by fire. God creates a brand new one. And that's where we will live with him for all eternity in the new Jerusalem, okay? Just a little quick overview. So very soon, yes, God will destroy this world, but even now he's preparing a home for the survivors. How many here today are survivors? Amen. Yep. What's that old joke? A plane crashed on the, uh, you know, New Mexico-Arizona border. Um, on which side were the, the survivors buried on? <laughs> You don't, you, don't, you don't bury survivors, do you? And we are not going to be buried. We are survivors. A home where only the righteous will dwell, folks. Not because we deserve it, but because God loves us that much. Final question. To what address will your mail be forwarded? Let's stand. Before we sing our final song, I'd like to give an opportunity for prayer. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes, if we will. If you need prayer for any reason this morning or for someone else, raise your hand. I see your hand. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you promised us that if we ask anything of you in Jesus' name, that you would hear that prayer. So we do come now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for those that need healing, physical healing, from whatever the illness might be, Lord. We thank you that it doesn't matter to you, Lord, how big or how small, whether it's a hangnail or a terminal illness. It's all the same to you, Lord. Nothing is too difficult for you. So we lift up everyone here today and anyone that they may be raising their hand representing someone watching on the internet, wherever they might be. We thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is able to go anywhere and everywhere and bring healing. Distance is not an issue. We pray for those that might have cancer, that might have other uh, blood diseases, Lord. You know, God, each person, whatever their affliction might be, I ask that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit upon them now and bring healing to them in Jesus' name. For your glory, Lord, ultimately we would want anything and everything that you do for us to bring you glory and honor because you're the only one who deserves it. But we pray for relief and release, release from suffering for your people, Lord. We've seen the miracles that you've performed in the past, and we look forward to seeing more of them in the here and now and in the future. So we ask for physical healing. We pray for mental, emotional healing as well, Lord, for those that are struggling with fear, worry, anxiety, doubt, unbelief, anger, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. Lord, we know these things are destructive and they need to be removed from our lives. So I pray that you'd help each one who's harboring any of those feelings to release them to you, to relinquish them, to renounce them, 
to give them over to you, and I pray as a result you would do a great healing work in their hearts and minds, Father. Lord, for those who need financial help, financial provision, please pour out your blessings upon them. You told us, Lord, if we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that all these things would be added unto us. So help us, Lord, to seek you first above all else, and we pray that you would provide for the needs of your people, Father. Lord, and those needing wisdom and guidance and direction from your Holy Spirit, you promised if we would ask, you would give it to us. So we pray for that wisdom. Lord, you know anything I might have overlooked or missed this morning, but Lord, you know all things. So I pray for each one that's raised their hand, whether here in this room or online. Pour out your spirit upon them, Lord. Touch them, bless them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.